bless you seniors, or thank you so much. Uh, and, and parents and grandparents visiting from out of town, glad that you could be here with us and watching us from home. Uh, what an amazing team we have here, including uh, Joe as our youth director. He's right now virtually preaching at Woven Community Church. So uh, that community in, in Bothell is being blessed through, through his, his ministry and words. We are back in the book of Ephesians, and we're coming down the home stretch, at least for the first half of the book, which ends next week with chapter three. Uh, Paul's overview of the unity that we're to have in Christ as a church, all the theology of that, and then uh, the chapters four, five, and six is really the practical outworking of that. So after two chapters, writing about all that Jesus Christ has accomplished, first for all of humanity in general, but then specifically for the Gentiles, Paul's just about to pray for the church in Ephesus. But before he prays, he, he really wants to make sure that his, his readers understand what's at stake and how they got into God's new society and why he's currently stuck in prison. And so he, so he does something that most pastors end up doing, especially senior pastors, would go off on a rabbit trail, on a theological tangent. He's about to say, let's pray, but before I do, let me bend your ear for a few moments and really dig in deep about the mystery being revealed in the gospel, his special calling to bring this gospel, this good news to the Gentiles, and then finally the manifold or the many forms that God's wisdom is expressed through this good news. To read our text today, I've invited one of our graduating seniors. I'm delighted to invite him to the stage in just a moment. Uh, you saw him on the screen. Uh, Zach Holtz will be uh, going to school in Montana, studying nursing, and he mentioned uh, very humbly that he's joining the ROTC uh, with the Air Force. Zach's goal is to uh, be a pararescueman uh, with the Air Force. The PJs are the most renowned uh, members of the Special Forces because <laughs> now I'm going to break out. Sorry, Zach. Hold it together, Pete. They're the ones that go into harm's way uh, to rescue our men and women uh, in enemy territory. And that's the, the, the calling that God has put on his heart. And so would you give a warm welcome to one of our seniors as he comes to read God's word. Piece of cake reading scripture compared to that. Is it on? Okay. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has been revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is, the gen is that the Gentiles and our fellow heirs, heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, Though I am, not, I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of mystery hidden for ages in God, 
who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Now, I, I know this passage is a bit hard to follow, so I want to start by communicating the main point so you won't miss it. The Ephesian Christians are worried about Paul languishing in prison. And we can imagine that they're feeling some responsibility. Like it's our fault that you're stuck. He's gotten into trouble simply for preaching grace. That, that's why he was arrested, for preaching grace. That's it. But he doesn't want them to worry or to be ex- discouraged. He writes, quote, his suffering is their glory. Meaning, don't let my troubles get you down. Don't let my situation cause you to shy away from your faith. Boldly head towards God. Be proud. For I suffer for your sake. Instead of writing something to help himself, I mean, isn't that what we would do? Uh, by the way, uh, if you could write to your local congressman or or hold a protest to get me out of prison and get out of these chains. He doesn't say that. He says instead, he pours out more thoughts and insights into the wonders, the wonders of God's marvelous plan. That plan is to include Gentiles and Jews in the church, the body, one in Christ. It's so important back then and even now to understand Everybody who's a Christian is equal to everybody else who's a Christian. That's the message of Ephesians chapter 3. It's amazing how we have to be reminded of this message for two millennia. Look around at one another. We're all the same. We are all on level ground before Christ. Our differences are only superficial. What really matters deep down We're all the same. We are one. We are the same family. We are held together in Christ. And that's the point of this message. So if you're discouraged about church, I know I'm discouraged. When I see scandal, when I hear of controversies and divisions, the study in the book of Ephesians reminds us of our unity in Christ, that we are to be one in Christ, that we are to be God's new society, that God's doing something new, bringing people from all different walks of life together under a banner that says grace. So Paul says here from the outset, I'm just about to pray. Wait, before I pray, let me put your minds at ease. He says, I'm not a prisoner of Nero in Rome. I'm a prisoner of Christ. He says, I know I would not be in the situation where I am, which is just a couple of years from being executed. I wouldn't be here if this is not where Christ would want me. He says, you know what? It's all worth it. I do it again for the sake of this incredible opportunity I have to be used by God to share this good news with all of you. 
Paul's, I think, even saying, not one hair left on my head. I imagine he had uh, male pattern baldness. Not one hair left on my head will fall unless the Father wills it. So I'm okay, church. I'm okay. He wants to make sure they know that before he prays. Look at verses 2, 7, and 8. And far from feeling sorry for himself, three times in this passage, he writes in his gratitude for God's grace. Thank you, Father, for your grace towards me, he says three times. Because he knows he's a part of God's extraordinary plan to, to save people from all nations. So that's the mystery revealed. Well, what is it? What is this mystery revealed in the gospel? The word mystery in Greek, mostrarion, uh, it means a religious secret made known by divine revelation. That's what this type of mystery means. Not, we like mysteries like mystery movies. Normally, you wait till the end of a book or the end of the movie. Oh, Bill, uh, Bruce Willis is a ghost. I know you have to, it's not that type of revelation. Sorry, spoiler. Should have said spoiler earlier. This type of mystery is a, is a religious secret that's only made known by divine revelation, not by human discovery or investigation. That's how we, how we go about science studies, right? We, 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 we look at the natural world and we perform experiments to figure out. He says, no, this cannot be discerned in that way. It's something that only the Holy Spirit reveals. That's the mystery of the gospel. Paul mentions it elsewhere, Colossians 1 Verse 26, he calls it, quote, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Paul writes, God's secret plan was revealed to him by Jesus. God's rescue plan to restore all things under Christ is now available to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people everywhere through Christ's death and resurrection. Now, being Jewish doesn't matter as much anymore. That's what Paul's saying. That's what got him into trouble. Imagine saying that in a synagogue. Being Jewish doesn't matter as much anymore. God's grace and love and, and bringing in of people is for all. That's what got him into trouble. Look at verse 6. This mystery, this revealed secret only by what God can do, this mystery is that Gentiles have it all, just like you. Fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the good news. This is the mystery. Paul says it was written about in ancient times. He said God has been saying through his promise, through the Old Testament for years and years, his plan was to bring together people from all nations. So that wasn't the mystery. The mystery was, how was he going to do it? Up till then, the only way was to become Jewish. So if you want to be part of this family, if you want to be part of this nation, become Jewish. And now he says, no, it's, it's now by faith through grace, by grace through faith, accepting Christ, not by works so that no one may boast. Faith in Jesus is what matters, regardless of where you come from, your bloodline, your nationality. If you say, I believe in Jesus as the Messiah, if you say yes to the creed, then you are part of the family. 
And together, both Jew and Gentile are united in God's new nation, God's new society, God's new family. And Paul says, it's worth it that I'm in prison facing execution so that you might know this message. Mystery revealed. It still seems to be a mystery that we need to communicate again and again because we so easily find ways that, to find separation and differences, don't we? We so easily look at the surface and find ways to divide ourselves from one another, even in the church. However, that was never God's plan. That was never the purposes of God. The, the, the mystery revealed here, Paul says, is for people who've never heard of God and for those who've been hearing about God their whole lives. For those far from church and those that grew up in Sunday school, Paul calls them the outsiders and the insiders stand on level ground before God. They get the same offer, the same grace, the same promises in Christ. Then he goes off to another tangent. This is also what pastors do. It's like, can we pray now? No, I want to say something else. And it gets a little personal. Look at verses 7 to 9. Now he's going to get personal. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace given to me by the working of his power. He takes no credit for it. Verse 8. To me, though I am the least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Now, I know I'm just using my imagination, but, but I picture the original transcript, the original papyrus that that letter was written on right here had tear stains falling from a pastor's eyes. So often people think Paul was just this hard-nosed, kind of mean, kind of intense guy. This is a pastor's heart. Maybe he was saying, well, no, I was just sweating from my eyes. Like, maybe he would try to excuse it. But this is heartfelt. Paul's saying, I was given a special gift first gift was he was born at, at such a time when international travel and communication was, was an amazing breakthrough because of the Roman Empire. Paul was born into a family where he was both Jewish all the way through, through and through, and yet also he had Roman citizenship. Born into a family and a culture, given opportunities and education. He was given with a God-given temperament and intellect and personality for ministry. I mean, it's a unique personality to be called to ministry. Elsewhere in, the, in the, one of the letters to the church in Corinth, Paul talks about the struggles in ministry. And when we talk about struggles, we're not talking about not getting enough vacation time. We're talking about being flogged, being beaten, being chased out of town, pressed in on all sides. It takes a unique kind of person to be able to withstand that and keep trudging on. And Paul says, all glory to God that I was given this great opportunity. And the greatest of gifts was how Jesus stopped him on the road to Damascus. He was a persecutor of the church. He was on his way to arrest and imprison and even oversee more executions of Christians 
And then from that, he turns around, becomes a preacher of the gospel, and here now he finds himself a prisoner for the sake of the gospel. He was equipped beyond natural abilities for a purpose, a purpose that led to his death. And so as I think about our graduating seniors, I think about God's plan for each of them and the amazing gifts that God has given to each of them, the gift of this church family invested in them for a purpose. If I was ever asked to to speak at a graduation ceremony, I would talk about what it means to follow Christ. It's probably why I will never be asked to speak at a graduation ceremony. But if I was asked to speak at a graduation ceremony with, with Christian students, I would tell you this. Any Christian who sticks with our faith, sticks by the creed, with Christianity, any Christian who sticks with it only as long as things are going his or her way is a stranger to the cross. The, set, the path set before us is the path of the cross. And as much as our parents and our community tries to protect you from the harms and the dangers of this world, we cannot protect you any longer. And there is a path, and it's the path of Christ, and it's being in step with the Spirit. And it leads to incredible success and highs of highs, But here we see the Apostle Paul, the most gifted, the most talented, with the most degrees, the most amazing accomplishments. And at the end of his life, facing execution, he says, in a way, it is well with my soul, because I am following in the footsteps of my Lord. And if we're to be Christians, little Christ ones, were to follow him wherever he leads for his greater purposes. But it will often be accompanied by carrying a cross, by suffering. Eugene Peterson puts it this way, far better than I can. He says, quote, when we submit our lives to what we read in scripture, we find that we are not being led to see God in our stories, but our stories in God's. God is the larger context and plot in which our stories find themselves. Paul knows that he is part of God's greater story. That's what I see here with Paul. And when he says he's the least, he's not, this isn't false humility. He truly understands the hardships that he's put other people through, the terrible things that he said and did in the name of of his religion and his nation. He says, I am the least of all, least deserving. He knows it. And maybe that's why he's so grateful because he knows how far away he was from the Lord. He knows how much he grieved the Holy Spirit. But then to be given this opportunity, he counts suffering for Christ to be an incredible privilege of ministry. So Paul wraps up his theological tangent, and I have to wrap it up too. We're coming down the home stretch. He writes about the manifold wisdom or the, the many facets, the different angles of God's wisdom at work in the gospel. Look at verses 10 to 13. We'll just look at the first two. 
10 to 12. So through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he, was, he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through, him, through our faith in him. He's saying God has ordained the church, capital C Church, to be multifaceted, manifold, amazing in the way it displays the wisdom of God. That God would bring people from so many different places together is amazing. And he says it's not only revealed on earth, but he says in the heavenly places, what God had planned from the very beginning, like a sparkling diamond, God's new society, a, a transnational church of God, gathering of every nation together to be a part of the Father's house. So if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you abide in him, if you live according to his new law of grace, you have access to the Father. And Paul says, come boldly with confidence, come running and come charging in to the Father's house. And then finally, he's ready to pray. So, verse 13, so I ask, don't lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. And so Paul wraps it up, and then he prays. And this is my second to last Sunday with you until I go on sabbatical for three months, where I'm committing to pray even more and to study and to prepare for the next season of ministry and hand things off to David Miles, who will be ordained this afternoon at 4 p.m. And so, beloved, I want to say to you on this second-to-last message, don't lose heart. Hold on to your faith in Jesus. He is the cornerstone of our faith. Laid down once the foundation built upon it of the teaching of the prophets and the apostles. There aren't new mysteries and new ventures and new ways of understanding our faith. It's all here. God's unchanging truth to an ever-changing world. This is the foundation that holds us together. So I would encourage you to read your Bibles this summer and stick together. The church, we would be one in Christ. If we've learned anything through the season of COVID that's almost behind us here in North America, but is still being fought around the world, but if we've learned anything, it's our need for community. So I'll say it again. People are different from you in superficial ways, but you are the same in really, really important ways. We need to recognize each of us has inherent worth and value and purpose. The Holy Spirit has called you here, whether this is your first Sunday with us, your first time tuning in, or you've been here for 30 years. Whether you say, well, I don't have anything to offer. God has called you here to be part of the manifold, the many faceted, the many sides of a diamond to show off his plan to the world. In learning to follow Jesus together, in discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ. We say, we say no to the flesh. We say no to the world. 
We set that behind us. We abide in him. We get rid of the old ways of living, worldly thoughts, very self-serving values that the world keeps peddling. It keeps churning out. It keeps sucking life out of us. We say no to that, and we say yes to Christ and to community. And so our new life in God's new society includes humility, love, patience, and kindness. I invite Rob and his team to come up. And I just want to pray for us as we get ready to sing again. This whole first three chapters in Ephesians is about the unity of the church. And then the next three will be about the practical outworking. How does that unity as being one in Christ play itself out? What are the responsibilities and the opportunities that we all have in Christ? So let's pray to that end. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be reminded of how to pray as one. And friends, I invite you to take the hand of someone sitting next to you if you're related. God, bless us with the unity and the peace of Christ. Lord God, there's so many things that divide us. There's so many ways that people label one another, divide. Even your church, Lord God, I know this grieves you to see division in your, in your church worldwide. God, we pray by your Holy Spirit, we would be reminded that mystery revealed that we all have equal footing before you to take a step of faith towards Christ. So God, bless and preserve the peace, purity, and unity of the body of believers here, this church family. Bless our seniors, Lord God. Bless us with opportunity to use the unique gifts and, and talents and experiences we have for greater purposes, oh God. We pray that we would see, Lord, you at work uh, in this church and in this community to have a big impact, Lord, for your kingdom and for your name's sake. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.